Hi, everybody. Welcome to Basic Snitches. I'm Ashley. Just kidding. We're here, too. I'm Tara. <laughs> Adam is losing his shit. <laughs> I, like, because I like the idea of it just being, like, silence. <laughs> Stand that silence as much as you feel necessary. I'm Adam. At the beginning of every episode, we're always like, okay, which one of us are starting this one out? And we were like, what? Ashley, you go ahead and do it. This is Basic Snitches, and today we are discussing chapter 12 of Harry Potter and the order, nope, the- Half-Blood Prince. Half Thank you. The Half-Blood Prince doesn't like come off the tongue for some reason, but the Half-Blood Prince, silver and opals. Yep. Yukon Cornelius makes his debut in this episode. You guys know who I'm talking about, right? No. no. Who is Yukon Cornelius? Yukon Cornelius is who sings, well, he doesn't sing silver and gold. I know. But... Oh, okay. Yes. yes. Okay. From Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He's saying silver oh, okay. and opals instead. Okay. Silver and opals. I did not uh, put two and two together. <laughs> from the Rankin-Bass, uh, yes. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, yeah. He's the one who is like, we're going to find gold in them hills. And he throws a little like... The pickaxe. Pickaxe. I was about to say spatula. He throws his <laughs> pickaxe. <laughs> spatula is not the same thing as a pickaxe. And he licks it. And my mom always has loved it. It's like, why the fuck does he lick his back? His pickaxe. My mom has a lot of feelings about that, Rudolph. But Cornelius, oh my God. Oh, I'm losing my shit, guys. I was about to say yeah. Cornelius Fudge. Yukon Cornelius. He's the drag queen that we were talking about at the end of the last episode. Cornelius Fudge. Cornelius Fudge is not a drag queen anyone would ever want to tip. <laughs> they would want to tip that bitch over off the stage and trample them. You know, sometimes after hearing these episodes while I'm editing them, I am thinking, wow, what a frame of mind I was in to record these episodes. And truly, I would have liked that silence to be a little bit longer, but I don't want y'all to tune out. In fact, I want you to subscribe to our Patreon. Yes, it's time for our Patreon callouts. If you are not on this list, you should be. Go to patreon.com slash for as low as $3 a month. You can get a ton of exclusive content and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. So let's talk about who our patrons are. We've got Ashley, who is in this episode, Brian, who is coming up in a future episode, Brittany, Jen, Layla, Mary Beth, Megan, Nisi, Olivia, Nicole, and Raph, who all may end up being on episodes. In fact, a couple of them probably will be this season. This week in our exclusive, we play a new game that is sort of like the previous game that we played, Password, but with three people. After that chaos, Tara, <laughs> what happened? So uh, who won and lost last chapter? I feel like you can guess. Harry or Hagrid won Juan Juan. <laughs> That's what my mouth decided to say. And the loser is Cormac McLaggen, 100,000. Yeah, Cormac McLaggen loses. I hate that guy. So um, I'm giving the win to Harry. I think that Harry's very present need to care for his friends in this chapter, it's well done. I just think he is very on top of his care for other people in this chapter without being too much, you know? Yeah. So I, I really think he handles everything with Quidditch very well. I think he handles Hagrid very well. I also like the fact that he definitely is like, there's no fucking way Snape is going to say yes to Slughorn. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And I think, and he continues it in this chapter two that we're about to do where he like schedules Quidditch practice 
around Slughorn's thing so that Ron doesn't feel left out. Like he's really very cognizant of how he can take care of his friends sometimes. So yeah. He definitely feels like he is becoming an adult. It feels like he's being very responsible, which is kind of a new side of Harry in some ways. I mean, in some ways, he's being very responsible. <laughs> in some ways, definitely, yes. Well, I wrote a thing, and it is time for Ashley to read it. Oh, yes. it just says thing. You ready? Chapter 12, Silver and Opals. What a pretty chapter title. Too bad it's a really rough chapter. We open with Harry experimenting with the Prince's potion book in the middle of the night. What a great time to try out Levicorpsis, which makes all of his roommates rise out of bed. Everyone takes it in stride, and that's where the happiness in this book stops. At least it seems like Harry's getting the hang of the nonverbal spells. At breakfast, Hermione makes some great points that this is the same spell that Death Eaters used on the Muggles at the Quidditch World Cup, and the risk of using spells that we don't know the source of. Harry also realizes that he actually saw the memory of his father using it on Snape. Whoa, could his father be the half-blood prince? If so, that would be awesome, since the prince is a better teacher than Snape. It's time for a trip to Hogsmeade. Yay! Yay! No? This weather sucks. Zonko's closed. As soon as they get into Honeydukes, Harry gets accosted by Slughorn again to join Slug Club. And then they look at the most boring candy. They see Mundungus skittering away with a bunch of Sirius's, now Harry's, old possessions. How could this trip get any worse? They take a moment from the cold to have some nice warming beverages in the three broomsticks, in which Ron takes a moment to be able to ogle Madame Rosmerda. Ew. And then it's time to go back to the castle since Hogsmeade sucks this year. On the way back, they run into Katie Bell and Sarah Price with a mysterious (laughs) package that Katie somehow came across from the bathroom at the Three Broomsticks. Hi, Sarah. (laughs) Someone at the castle. In the heated discussion between these two friends that Harry can hear loud and clear despite the noisy wind because it is, after all, Sarah Price. (laughs) The package opens and the necklace inside comes into contact with Katie. She rises into the air, apparently cursed, shrieking. When she comes back down, everyone in horror, Harry runs into Hagrid, who scoops her up and takes her up to the castle. McGuh also comes down and brings the trio and Sarah Price up to the castle as well to figure out what just happened. The necklace was indeed at Borgen and Burke's the night they saw Draco being a dick to Borgen, and is apparently very memorable, as they recall seeing it multiple times. Just as the reader is meant to, Harry says he suspects Draco from that evening when they were spying on him, when we learn that Dumble isn't at Hogwarts and will return on Monday in time for their next lesson. We also learn that Draco wasn't at Hogsmeade because he sucks at transfiguration. Ha, bitch! Who's the dummy dum-dum now? (laughs) Leanne is who Sarah Price was in listeners that's why and like this is the only time Leanne is mentioned in the series so I'm like obviously her name is Sarah Price now we talked about this during Puffs like if it's that Leanne I don't think in this book it's ever specified that Leanne is a Gryffindor so we just all decide that that is absolutely Leanne who is a Hufflepuff mm-hmm. yes. and that is yes. who Sarah played when we did Puffs it's too strange if like we have like Marcus Flint Marcus Belby Tom the Innkeeper Tom Riddle and then two last nameless bitches named Leanne that is yeah. a little bit strange that's Leanne that's Sarah Price 
Kira Price oh. is at Hogwarts. And I know that she says she's a room club, but she lied. She's actually this Hufflepuff bitch and she's best friends with Katie Bell. And she had to witness this traumatic experience. That's that pretty traumatic. And that's why she's so fucking loud. I got it. I solved the mystery of Sarah Price. There it is. So yeah, this chapter. This chapter is booty, okay? First of all, we open it up with, they're like, oh yeah, Hogsmeade is still happening even though the world is burning. And then Harry's like, mm, I can't sleep. Let's see what spells I can whisper in the middle of the night to disturb all of my roommates. I have no issue whatsoever of him being like, I'm interested in all this new stuff I can learn from this book. Obviously, the potion stuff has been very helpful. But you don't fucking know what that spell is? No. These are dumb teenage boys. This is I know. teenage boy stuff. All right. Hold on. We've got a visitor. Hey, buddy. Oh. Hey. Neil approaches. Neil gets his own music, by the way. Hello. Do you remember Adam? Who's that? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, he loves Tara. Neil, don't you love Tara? <laughs> he just burst. Ah. Uh, that's that's how I feel about Tara too, honestly. What are you about to go do? What are you about to do? You're gonna get a bath. Is Daddy gonna give you a bath? Okay. All right. Okay. I love toddlers. Yeah. All right. Say bye-bye. Bye, Good Neil. to see you, Neil. Bye, buddy. No, keep the lights on. Oh, <laughs> um, listeners, Neil, turn off the lights. <laughs> Can we put Neil on the website as, like, special guest for this episode? <laughs> Just a toddler making fart noises. That's my day. Okay. I know we're, like, right at the beginning, but wait, we're... Oh, Levy Corpus and et cetera. Harry lifts Ron up in the middle of the night out of bed and isn't it Dean and Seamus are they're just laughing their butts off. Yeah. Like, Dude, come on. <laughs> they all think it's hilarious because you are idiots. That's why. Yeah. This is why I'm a Slytherin because if somebody wakes me up in the middle of the night, they die. <laughs> Unless they're a cat because that happens <laughs> fairly often. I know Tara can fall asleep like that. I am not that kind of person. I'm a light sleeper. I have to have earplugs, etc. I am a very interesting sleeper. I fall asleep so easily because I don't sleep enough. That is fair. But my ears are trained to very specific things. When I am dog sitting, because I'm not actually a heavy sleeper, but I am a sound sleeper as needed. If I'm dog sitting or house sitting, anything that seems weird will wake me up. If you call me in the middle of the night, I will hear it. I will answer. If my alarm goes off, I will hear it. I will turn it off. If you text me, fuck right off. So like all week in the morning, I have like 40 notifications between all the apps and stuff that I have. Mm-hmm. And people will be like, how did you not wake up? And I was like, because my ear is like, I don't fucking care about that. I'm not waking her up. Mm-hmm. Like that's really how my brain works. But if I'm in a different location, my ears are sensitive to different things. But yeah, if I am tired, though, I can fall the fuck asleep. My husband gets enough sleep, can still fall asleep at the drop of a hat, as you see every night on the couch (laughs) when he watches TV and snores. And I throw pillows at him and I say, Dan, you're snoring. You fell asleep. And it is, no, I didn't. My favorite are people who do that when they fall asleep and they're like, no, I didn't fall asleep. We saw you. Stop. <laughs> Don't gaslight me into thinking that you didn't sleep. 
because I use the earplugs, I'm the same way. Like I'll wake up and I am completely undisturbed. There was one time where I was sleeping and one of the cats, again, this is something I might have mentioned on this podcast. I have those floating shelves in my kitchen. One of the cats, I assume, uh, jumped on one of them and it collapsed. And I had these like glass canisters with flour and sugar and all this stuff. And I woke up, no joke. I actually got up in the middle of the night to check that my alarm was set. And I'm walking through the kitchen and it was like winter time. And I was thinking that, oh, the snow is casting shadows into my uh, kitchen. And I was like, wait a minute. These are very specific looking shadows. And I was like, oh my God, are you fucking kidding me? Um, I slept through that because of my earplugs. So I also had to buy specific, okay, you know, gendered products, like only for men, only for women. I have very, very small ear canals. So I had to get the women's size earplugs. I didn't know that there were women's size earplugs. Yep, they are pink earplugs for smaller ear canals. And I have small ear canals and they work great for me. So, <laughs> which so shows how, what, how bullshit that is. Cause like everything about me is enormous except for my ear canals. <laughs> that is the most fucking random thing ever. So anyway, this chapter. Um, <laughs> for, for real. I guess we should talk about that, huh? Yeah. Harry wakes um, everybody up. With Levy Corpus. Which to me, it's like, obviously we already talked about this in the last episode, but they don't learn anything. Not that I learned Latin when I was a kid or anything, but Levy Corpus, Levitate the Body. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was surprised to see that so far into the series. That and Muffliato, which is another thing that he learns about it from the book. Mm-hmm. I was like, Listen, I'm a fan talking. of Muffliato. Absolutely. You know, honestly, again, this is something I would use on myself because when I had to get my house painted, I hired painters. If I had Levy Corpus, I would just Levy Corpus myself and paint. <laughs> and then I wouldn't have to worry about falling to my death on the pavement. So both of those are useful spells. (laughs) That being said, doing a spell that you don't know. On a person. On a person that you like, you care about this person. To all the people in the same room that you like when they're sleeping. Harry, you are the person who in the next fucking book refused to like stun someone because you're flying on brooms and they're a bad guy. And you're like, I'm just going to disarm them. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to die. Like you're being very fucking dumb. Following that, can't remember if he says it like the next morning to Ron and Hermione or if it's like in his own like internal dialogue but this is I alluded to it in my thing where he's like oh the prince is a better teacher than Snape because all of these cool new spells and everything and I'm like yeah I guess so because in the book he isn't writing like disparaging remarks or anything obviously I mean now that we know who the prince is after reading this before it's just a funny little line there that I yeah. quite enjoyed. Every time you see that, you're like, oh, uh, Harry. <laughs> and just, you yeah. <laughs> Yes, the prince is a great teacher, blah, blah, blah. No, it's you actually being able to learn from someone because he's not tormenting you. Mm-hmm. There's a natural level of curiosity, I think, that Harry has. Mm-hmm. Just in general, we've seen that since book one. Oh, yeah. And when somebody isn't being an asshole to him constantly, he's able to harness that and learn from it. Now, this is where I do think I agree a little bit more with Hermione. Following this Levy Corpus thing where she's like, oh, Bitch, absolutely. why are you saying these spells when you don't know what they're going to be? That's when kind of the background of the prince comes up a little bit more. Him remembering from Snape's memory, his own father doing it. Ashley, I had asked Tara a few episodes ago, 
at this point, who would you think the prince is if it's not Harry? Or if <laughs> Prince Harry's the half blood prince. He wrote this book himself. No, uh, if it's not Snape. I don't know. It's been so long since it's the first time I've read this book that it's hard for me to even think of that. Because reading it now, it's like, yeah, Harry, it's Snape. Come on. I honestly don't remember what I thought back then when I read that. The three people that I had mentioned were, because Voldemort is such a theme, his background and everything. Okay. That could very well come up. And we obviously learn a couple chapters ago that he is half-blood. But then in this moment, Obviously, James comes up. And then the third would be Sirius because okay. they constantly mention, oh, yeah, remember? Sirius is dead. Um, what? Sirius is dead? <laughs> yeah, I know. He completely forgot to talk about that since that happened, right? <laughs> I wish the listeners could see your face because you really were like, what are you talking about? Like, it was perfect. Well done. Y'all listeners miss out on Tara's amazing facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> There's certainly something. I think, honestly, we all have really good facial expressions. Here's the thing. If people want to see my face moving, they can join the Quent tier on Patreon. Or if they want video podcasts, that's going to be like a whole nother tier. Because that means I need to look fairly presentable. I don't know that I can look fairly presentable. Your hat says it all, to be honest. <laughs> Not today. Not today. <laughs> Not ever. <laughs> So yes, I do agree with Hermione in these moments where it's like, okay, it's gotten far enough. Maybe we need to take a step back. Well, and she brings up, she goes, you saw them do that at the Quidditch World Cup. You saw the Death Eaters do that to completely innocent people. And of course, this is your own confirmation bias is, oh, that was different. That's what Harry says. But he was being defensive and he was probably like, oh, oh yeah, that did happen. That's right. Obviously, you do not have bad intentions, Harry, but like you have to be reminded of this as a consequence, you know, like there are bad things that people are doing too. And this was done in a way that was not good. Unfortunately, it does not affect the way that he handles it later, but yeah that's our harry we love you but oh honey you so dumb sometimes so dumb speaking of not good and so dumb (laughs) this weather as they're walking to hogsmeade it is like so foreboding and they even say you know maybe it would have been better to stay back in the nice warm common room i kind of agree perhaps it's best that they had gone because of what happens to katie bell but on the way down and then the first thing they see is that zonko's is closed up i'm like okay just go back now (laughs) this is not gonna be a good uh hogsmeade visit you know the moment that they mentioned madam puttyfoots i was like well fuck that (laughs) still running but zonko's is closed up you know the hogsmeade has gone to shit because i hate that madam puttyfoots fucking place no one likes that place so of course that is the number one is that zonko's is closed up so they go into honeydukes and the first thing they see and this was my moment not the last chapter but right here i'm like okay slughorn enough now i'm annoyed we have already said multiple times it's way too much annoying yeah, especially coming off of Cormac stuff. Because in the last episode, I think he had even mentioned them. like, oh, Cormac will be there. I'm like, pass. I would not <laughs> like to see that guy again. The fact that it comes up again, oh, it's awful. And it also kind of shows 
how much Harry already has on his plate. We touched on it again last episode, but being able to be social and like in this networking sort of elitist way is not going to be the priority. I have more of a question about this once we get to the movie portion too, but at this point, we don't get annoyed by Slughorn nearly as much as we have in the book by this point. This was my breaking point where I was like, okay, I've had enough of this, even though we like him. Yeah, we do, but that's a lot. And so that's when Hermione is like, oh my God, look, the really long-lasting sugar quills. I'm like, cool, Hermione, could you have picked some more boring candy? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Hermione, that sounds fun. When they leave Honeydukes, they are on the way to Three Broomsticks. And this is where we see... Mundungus. Mundungus. And Aberforth. Mundungus. Number one, the way they describe Mundungus is like a really tall, gangly, redheaded guy. They absolutely do not follow that in the movie whatsoever. When I read... He's described as squat and bandy-legged. I guess that is true. When I read bandy legged, I think that in my mind made him like tall and skinny. Because I think like bow legged with bandy legged. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. I don't know if that's what it means, but because he is that's what you think of. Yeah. (laughs) I mean that would make more sense if he's squat because if he's like a little shaggy guy. Shaggy? Is that what yeah, you said? Yeah, like he's little. He says he's got strength. Oh my god! What if they actually cast Shaggy as Mundungus in the movies? Stop. That would be great. <laughs> I honestly. <laughs> and all he did was like rap in that way that he does. I, I would like it honestly. I think they need to redo the movies now. But yeah, the fact that he's talking to Aberforth. And we don't even know that this is Aberforth. And this is the second time that we've seen this because in the last book, Mundungus was that like classy veil lady that I was like, ooh, I like that bitch. And then I found out from Tara that it was Mundungus. I was like, never mind. Subtle in the most subtle possible way is kind of interesting. And then of course we realize that he'd been fucking caught and he'd been going through Harry's new possessions. Mm -hmm. He forgets they're his things now, which... That does make me giggle a little, actually, where he's like, wait, that's my stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't well, even know it was his stuff until someone else brought it up. Like, the fact right? that he gets like, angry at it, just the fact that, oh, my God, you're going through serious stuff and he doesn't, like, think of it that way. Yeah. That, that alone says something about Harry's character, too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I do want to know, like, how strong is Harry? Because he can pin this guy up against the wall. I mean, really? Well, he's bandy-legged, and Harry's an athlete. Right. Well, so. Harry's pissed, and I feel like Mundungus is probably not super He's got like, that adrenaline strength going for him. I think he does. Clearly, Mundungus is not expecting this. No. That happens, and then they go into three broomsticks. And this is where I'm like, okay, I can get behind going to Hogsmeade on a chilly day, and you get some fire whiskey or some butterbeer and it's cozy. Like, mm-hmm. I love all of that. And then the first thing that we see is, and this shocked me, because this felt like out of character for Ron to an extent, of him like kind of ogling Madame Murr's murder. And I know I'm making kind of a big deal about this, but I'm like, what the fuck? That like just jumped off the page to me. It was said earlier in the series that he has a little crush on her. I guess yeah. that time it didn't He's pop got a out. spot for her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because we've made jokes about how Madame Rose Murda is like a madam or something like that. <laughs> that like hit me in a weird way at this time. This is kind of at least a way for them to rehash what just happened 
they point out that Blazabini is right there. Like, okay, let's not talk too loud and everything. Yeah. But I think that the whole purpose of going, because truly, I, I always think about like chapters where it's like, okay, why all is all of this stuff all of a sudden happening? Like, what's the purpose mm-hmm. of it? It, of course, is to get them into the three broomsticks so that we can set up the whole thing of Katie Bell finding this package. Because it seems to me, like I said finding, because my brain automatically was like, did somebody leave it there for her to get? Or was she cursed by, again, I thought Draco too, but after reading the full chapter, I'm like, maybe this is a red herring. Malfoy somehow getting Katie Bell the package to deliver to Dumbledore in his big like goal of killing him this year. You know how Katie gets the necklace who gives it to her? I do not. It's Madame Rose Murda. Madame Rose Murda is imperious. And then Katie is imperious. Both of them are imperious. Both are, yes. Wow, okay. I do not remember this at all. Like that is maybe the last thing I would have cleared up at the very end of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So was it Malfoy? Like this was one of his attempts? Yeah. Okay. So my other question then is... How did he get it into Hogsmeade? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, he is obviously using the vanishing cabinet that is in the room of requirement to get to Morgan and Burks. He gets the necklace. He brings it through. As they were leaving the castle, they make a big show to be like, what is the point of seeing like what we're bringing out of the castle? So what was that whole thing about? My thought has always been, especially because like Hermione is very adamant at the end of the chapter about how like, they searched us all and there's no way this could have happened and how everyone always says there's no way this could have happened i always just assume that malfoy found a way to make that happen because nothing is foolproof mm-hmm. and if anyone's gonna fucking figure out how to break the rules it's malfoy i don't know i don't know what the actual answer is well the other thing that i immediately thought of and it's mostly because i've played through the lego harry potters multiple times and this is actually a level in it but how there's that secret passageway from hogs Hogsworth. Oh my God. I, I'm losing. Hogwarts. Yes. Yeah, in yes. Bar. In the, what's the other bar? The Hogshead? Yes. That may have very well been another thing. It's interesting to me because when we get to the movie, there are some consolidations that I do kind of like. And one of them is that Slughorn meets up with Harry in the Three Broomsticks. And it's also his first mm-hmm. time, which is another reason why I like it. It doesn't feel as like overbearing and like, oh my God, get off my dick. It's I feel like that would have been a little bit more natural. I don't know if there's a purpose behind even like seeing Mundungus. If they um, got into Hogsmeade, my first thought would be like, oh my God, it's cold as fuck. Let's go into three broomsticks where we can warm up and have some hot alcohol. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of trying to establish where these people are in the scheme of things. I'm sorry, ambient noise coming from the bathroom. I was like, Neil is singing. He had a bath. He's getting ready for bed. (laughs) Hold on. Hey, 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 buddy. I wanted to give you a hug. Little Neil. Oh, my God. I wanted to give you a hug. While she is gone, in speaking of some of this stuff of like, is there anything else about like this sequence that is pertinent? Like the whole Mendungus thing. Are these things here for a reason? Or is it just kind of to show like Harry's bad day? I'm sure there is a reason. I can't think off the top of my head. But... Almost had a naked toddler run in here, but we avoided that. Oh man. <laughs> See, what that reminds me of, do you remember it was at like the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was working from home and some like British news broadcasting 
thing had like the girl she like she was like walking in like this and she came like right up to the camera behind him and he was like pushing her away as he was delivering the news and then the mom like runs in and like grabs her and like takes uh, that's what that makes me think of no i haven't but sad that i've never seen that it's seriously if you google like girl coming into like news broadcast or something you'll find it this girl has like maria inside of music being like i have confidence in me and she's like coming in to crash this news broadcast amazing <laughs> okay where were we <laughs> very bad day yeah basically yeah, it's not a good day for any of them yeah. especially katie there we go (laughs) so it's about to get worse because on the way out they run into sari price and katie and this is where they have this like little scuffle and then obviously katie touches what's in the package which is this silver and opal necklace which i assume because they don't think they ever really describe what it is but that's what the chapter is called we've even talked about it for a while like katie bell has been brought up in this book for this reason to bring her into the forefront and she is like thrust into the air and she starts screaming and it is very horrifying. I was thinking that too. How terrifying is that to see this really freaky just thrust up into the air and she's not herself already? Observe that and not know what to do? It's an awful thing for Katie to experience but Mm -hmm. especially Especially for Sarah Price to see like what this is like to see her friend like flying into the air and all of this. It's very traumatic. Obviously, Sarah Price is such a minor character that we don't see her trajectory, but imagine that she probably got a lot of trauma from this. I'm never gonna get over referring to her as Sarah Price. (laughs) It's Sarah Price, okay? Yeah, so that happens, and they like run over to try to be helpful and stuff. Harry is actually like the one who's like, hey, don't touch that. Yeah, you know? he, he remembers seeing the sign. I think it was like the second book or something. They talk about that necklace. Yeah. And there's a sign that says, do not touch, curse. And he yeah. remembers that. So he's the one who has the foresight, like, don't touch that. And knows to use his scarf to pick up the package. So good on Harry. That is a real deep dive to like think back to all the way back then. It's like that far back, yeah. Luckily, you know, they start screaming for help and they run into Hagrid. Mm-hmm. Hagrid, of course, picks her up, takes her back up. It feels like almost instantly Maga is coming back down to figure out, oh my gosh, like, let me get some more information on this. Especially since we find out very soon after that, that Double is not there. So Maga is acting as headmistress. And when they go back up to figure all of this out, I like in the book, it's very different in the movie and I hate how it is in the movie. He very quickly is like, is Dumble here? No, he's away. He'll be back on Monday. And he kind of hesitates even before mm-hmm. like confiding in Maga, which I think is key. That feels like Harry to me. And then of course we learn all these things about Malfoy not even being in Hogsmeade, which also throws a lot of mystery into it. We, of course, talked about oh, the yeah. Ashing Cabinet, but can you shine any light on that? Like, how is it that he wasn't even in Hogsmeade? Was this something that he did previously? I've always just assumed that that was something he doing and handling, and he may have done this prior to the school year. Mm. He has connections. That's exactly His what mother could have taken him to Hogsmeade. I mean, obviously, we don't know. Like, that's not something we get answers on, but yeah, it could very well be that. Perhaps when we have more information, it'll be interesting to kind of try to piece this together because both of you know, rereading this, especially when I'm so much more used to the movies, kind of piecing it together. But like the movie, I don't think even really outlines it. And of course, 
again. We'll get into it. But Malfoy is very clearly in Hogsmeade in the movie as well. They make a very big point of showing Draco being his broody, creepy, very fly self. Yeah. Once again, he's like, oh, Hogsmeade, a fun little detour into the snow. Gotta put on my best suit. (laughs) I don't really have too much more. I ask again, like, how to get past the dark detectors and stuff, but it sounds like there is kind of, like, overall a shroud of mystery about, like, how he did this. I like the idea of him doing it prior to the school year, though. Well, also, later on, he has Crab and Goyle taking Polyjuice Potion being other people Mm -hmm. for him too. I do not remember that at all. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, who knows? He could actually have had someone sit through his attention for him. Like there are all kinds of little things that could have been going on. Wow. You know, the only other thing that I have in here because I completely glossed over it when Harry is like, you motherfucker to um, Mundungus. Tonks is the one to kind of bat him off. And Tara, you made a point to say, Tonks feels different now. Like she's gone through this change and how this does feel like in so many ways we have a, almost like more truth in this book in comparison to the last one. So, and in some ways it feels better. This is one of those areas where I'm like, Tonks does really feel different. And I'm paying more attention to it because of you. I will say that reading this chapter, I was extra annoyed at Princess Pickle 69 and her like- That was last episode. How- Let's call her Oh dumb. yeah, we have to call her something else. Dump cake. <laughs> dump cake. Yeah, so dump cake is like, this is what a person is like when they're sad that the person that they love won't be with them. Like, it's not well done. Every time you see Tonks, it doesn't actually fit her personality for her to be like so fucking depressive over Lupin. She is a strong, smart, independent, vibrant person that it does not fit. Her being sad the first time you see her when she'd just been talking to Molly about her woes or she'd been in a place where she felt safe to be kind of like down in the dumps. Maybe she felt the same way when she met Harry on the train. But now this is like the third time in a row and all we see from her is sad tonks. Like nothing else. And she's so vibrant in the fifth book. That this is just dump cake being like, I don't actually know how to write a character like this. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great point because we even just mentioned how like Hermione and Ron and Harry, they go through this like up and down that is natural. And how old is Tonks again during this book? Maybe in her mid 20s. I would have guessed mid 20s, maybe late 20s at the oldest. You know, being in your mid 20s is very different from being in your mid to late 30s like all of us are. But at the same time, it's almost like she is sort of written a little bit younger because it's like every time we see her, she is like thinking about this and it's consuming her. And she is such a vibrant person. It would be really nice to see a little bit more of some different emotion here. In this instance, it's a blip, but it definitely feels like it's approached in a different way than I think think the actual Tonks would like react in. That is something that really popped out to me and I don't think I would have noticed it if we hadn't talked about it previously. It just doesn't quite fit. Yeah. I guess. Anything else about the book? This is another thing I kind of laugh at is like these kids are having an argument in front of Professor McGonagall for like what almost two pages. She's not even mentioned then she's like okay stop. <laughs> I thought of that same thing when reading what is she doing the whole time? She's just trying to figure out how am I going to stop these kids 
why won't they shut up? What is going through her mind when she is hearing <laughs> these kids talk about this? It's funny because we're going to talk about the movie momentarily, but I feel like if I were witnessing these kids like talking about this in such a serious manner, I'd be like, okay, like these kids are very cerebral. They're more intelligent than maybe they let on sometimes. <laughs> but it's also very teenager spelunking, yeah. kind of, you know? Real personal, like, oh, I really shouldn't be here for this. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then when Harry says, you know, I think Draco Malfoy did that. And I just picture like Ron and Hermione, like, we don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> right? They're very much like, mm, like we don't agree with this. This is not part of why we're here. <laughs> 100. But and the funny thing is, and we talked about it like close to the beginning of our recording session today, yeah. in the last chapter, he's right, 100%, but <laughs> it just feels like, uh, <laughs> like yeah. yeah, the funny thing is, it feels like those reactions are still authentic to yeah. me. I don't fault Ron and Hermione for thinking that Harry's wrong. It, it's no. very interesting. Tara, do you have a game for us to play today? I do game we've played before i need you to write out 10 descriptors and they are going to be about characters so physical or personality or whatever but they are descriptors um, yay we actually out. did this last time too but i don't mind because i think this is fun i can't I, remember so and it's been at least a couple can episodes me, can you give me an example of in this game you've played before like and an adjective to describe okay, it yeah in the last chapter you'd be like oh someone is flirty in this chapter or like creepy or whatever something like that or you can let flat out just use words like asshat or something like that <laughs> and what's the name of this game again i don't know that we came up with a name adjective fun yeah <laughs> last time i made the mistake of making multiple adjectives for the same characters so this time i have one that is very specific to 10 characters, but I don't know what Tara's going to say. You put me on the spot, Tara. Yeah, I'm kind of a bitch. Yeah, you are. You all ready? Right. Okay, so I'm going to give you a character, and you are going to assign one of your adjectives. Okay. Once you assign the adjective, you can't, or whatever, the, the descriptor, you can't use it again. The first one is Hagrid. Ashley, what'd you say? I said huge. Uh, that, okay, I was like, she either said cute or huge. <laughs> I said mama bear. <laughs> See? Aww. Yours are good. I the try to go one, like weird as possible. The next one is Dean Thomas. Damn it. I oh my God. Him. Why are you going to bring him up so early? I have he so many good ones. He is mentioned in the chapter, so he is fair game. Oh my God. Fuck you, Tara. Ashley, who'd you Love choose? You. Dumb teenage boy. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I was saving that for anyone else, but right, here well, we are. I am sorry, Dean Thomas, but I am hoping that you don't have Argus Filch on that list. And you have a poker face, so you're not going to tell me by your facial expression. So I'm going to have to give Dean what I wrote down for Argus Filch, which is slimy bitch. I'm really sorry, Dean, but I'm just trying to like play my cards right. <laughs> All right. The next one on the list is Sarah Price, a.k.a. Leanne. I wrote down Sarah Price. <laughs> I did write down Leanne. I just have freaked out. Fair. That works for Sarah Price. That's honestly like all I got out of. It's all good. I love how you're like, next up is Sarah Price. I'm like, cool. That's exactly what I wrote down. Oh, you just wrote Sarah Price? Yes. Okay, I love it. Sarah love Price it. is okay. not an adjective. 
Sarah, you okay. better be listening to this episode. You better fucking be listening will. to this episode. You'll get there. This is your episode. The next character is Ron Weasley. Moody little ginger. <laughs> I put horny teenage boy. Accurate. Accurate and both similar-ish. All right, the next one is Ginny Weasley. Oh, I don't have Me neither. Badass. <laughs> okay, I'm going to really hope that you don't have McGonagall on the list. I can't use any of these other ones for Ginny. So I'm going to go ahead and just use Gwen for Ginny. <laughs> so Gwen and badass, okay. Sorry, but I do tend to prioritize Ginny over Dean Thomas, so. <laughs> the next one is Hermione. Okay, good. I have one for her. I have one for her too, just brainy, which is not creative. <laughs> Girl who likes boring candy. <laughs> That's more. You're, you're very clear that this is for, for Hermione. Yeah. Like, I couldn't <laughs> use that for Dean. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, you ready for the next one? Yes. Katie Bell. I do have Katie Bell. I just put Quidditch. <laughs> I've been cursed. <laughs> cursed Quidditch. All right, you ready for the next one? Mm hmm. Professor McGonagall. Damn it. Tartan. Oh, you did have one for McGonagall, didn't you, actually? Tartan, because he's always in Tartan. (laughs) Well, I had one for McGonagall, but I gave it to Ginny, which was Quen. So I'm going to hope you don't have one for Madame Rose Murder on there. And I'm going to choose Slutty for her. (laughs) (laughs) The guy's a huge fucking slut. And she wears her, too. Okay, so there are two characters left, and just for the fun of it, what like two this. words do you have left, Adam? My two words that I have down are bow-legged motherfucker and walrus man. Okay, and <laughs> Ashley, what two words do you have left? So. I have lusty and goat lover. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first character is Madame Rosemurda. Lusty. Okay, well, I guess I'm gonna go with bow-legged motherfucker because I can't use walrus man for her. She's the opposite of a walrus man. She's a seal woman. I gotta go okay. with bow-legged motherfucker. And then what is your last word, Ashley? Goat lover. Okay, this is gonna be interesting. And Adam, what was your last word? Walrus, walrus man. man. Okay, well, you guys just described Argus Filch. <laughs> you know what? I stand behind it. Right? <laughs> that one's fine. <laughs> he probably has an overbite and he probably smells like shit. So fine. Well, <laughs> Luckily, we bypass a whole bunch of shit. Like I said earlier, I do like how they kind of skip right to the three broomsticks and that's where Slughorn is. And it feels a lot less annoying to me because they haven't been hammering in it. But that's also a byproduct of the movie not being able to have all these little micro moments. So yeah. Even though I like it more, it's kind of due to the part that it's a movie. Honestly, the only thing I really want to say about the movie, other than Hagrid stealing Harry's line, it looks scary as fuck. It is creepy horror movie shit. It really is. Like, the way that she is, like, sliding around, and then she goes way up into the sky, and then like, she Like, the way her, like, down. body, like, arches back, her mouth just flies open, and her hair, the contrast, the colors, everything, it is creepy. To go against that a little bit, in the book, I feel like they're reacting more in a natural way. And they're just kind of like standing, they're like, oh my God. And then Hagrid even comes in, like no one goes and gets Hagrid. Hagrid's like, don't fucking touch that, which I think is the line that you were referring to. 
Yeah, like that was Harry's line, Hagrid. Their reactions are by no means living up to no. the creepiness of what happens. They're really not. They're pretty basic. So yes, I absolutely agree with that. A few other things at the three room six though, like they do make that very awkward moment of Drake glaring at Harry through the fucking stairs. It's like, okay, we get it. Draco is having a really like emo year. Thank you. <laughs> yes, um, Draco is emo. And then, like I said, I do like this interaction between Harry and Slughorn a lot more. But then the fact that they get their butterbeer and Hermione chugs it. And then they make a thing about her having like the mustache and she's sitting there all awkwardly. I'm like, really? That's what we decided to focus on instead of other details that are actually in the book? Okay. Movies are dumb sometimes. It's like, oh, we need a moment of soft comedy before one of the creepiest moments that we ever show in these movies. And then when they go up to McGuh, Liana's, I'm sorry, Sarah Price is still there and they have a little moment there. And then of course we get, and I do kind of love it, even though it's not in the book, is why when something happens is always free. It's so great. I was watching that clip before we started recording and Katina just chuckled from the other side of the room because she probably was like, yep, I know exactly what that's about. Mm -hmm. Like it's a classic Maggie Smith just coming in being a fucking scene stealer. Absolutely. That is great. And then it's the thing that the movie always fucking does. Hey, Snape, come on over so that Harry can like put his foot in his mouth and be completely unlike the character. Because in the book, he doesn't even want to tell him the gut. Boom! It's Malfoy! And then we get this little opportunity for Snape to shit on Harry when it doesn't actually fucking happen. Yeah. Dislike. We just love seeing Snape shit on Harry because that's what he do. I know it's your favorite thing to see. The best. Your favorite thing to Google. (laughs) Hitting <laughs> on Harry. No. It's Tara's favorite. She loves it so much. Nobody yeah. put that in their Google history. Nobody. And then nope. I looked at her hat immediately after saying that. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. Not today. But tomorrow. Not at all. My points are very straightforward. Plus 20 to Katie Bell because she may not be winning the chapter. We'll find that out in the next episode. But this is terrifying and so at 20 isn't a ton but it's the most i'm giving this episode because i'm like whoa like this is a traumatic thing that is going to stick with her and similarly 10 to sarah price as well for having to witness that in the book she is much more disturbed by it too um negative five to slughorn because i have had it i have had it you have an elitist party fun and then negative 20 to mundungus and his bow fucking leg self Bentley distracted me, <laughs> so I forgot how to speak for two seconds. But uh, yeah, negative twenty to that motherfucker. I feel like I sucks. Next time we will be doing chapter thirteen, which is called the the riddle that didn't the belong secret there. Riddle. Yeah, the secret I sort of remembered. <laughs> and I just picked up the book and checked. See, so she even travels to Iowa and brings the book for her. I can't even be bothered to have it with me right now. Good job, Tara. You are so committed. I need it. Look at this. Oh my God. Who's the Ron Weasley in this situation? (laughs) (laughs) Quick interruption from editing Adam here. Yes, the next chapter that we are going to discuss is chapter 13, The Secret Riddle. But next week, we don't have that episode because guess what? Next week is our holiday episode. Hmm, gee, I wonder what that episode is going to be. 
Following that, we are taking a week off for New Year's, and then we actually have a special episode with some additional special guests that you've seen before. And yes, that is guests, so that might give you a little bit of a hint. And then we will discuss Chapter 13, The Secret Riddle. So it still is going to be a little bit of time before you hear that chapter, but it's coming. Speaking of people who aren't Ron Weasley, Ashley, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Of course, you are a favorite. Yay. We love you. <laughs> now my child is a favorite too, I hope. Yes. Not now and too. He always has been. Neil, <laughs> you are now a part of the Basic Snitches lexicon. Congratulations. <laughs> you have your own theme and everything. Yep. When, when we submit our soundtrack, there will be an item on that discography. Neil's theme. <laughs> Bye, Snitches. Bye. Bye, goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> time to say goodbye is what I just said. It's just time to say goodbye, children. And now we <laughs> sing a song about going to bed. Tara, you first. Not today. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Gorkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com and a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!